We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends. I'm so honored by your presence in my life. And thank you for letting me be a part of your day today with Empower Radio and Journey to Center. You know, I believe it's a deeply innate desire to live a life of freedom and joy. But fear can certainly put the kibosh on that. I don't know about you, but for me, some pretty scary things happened as a child that seemed to lock themselves up in my psyche and really prevented me from feeling safe, free, confident, and comfortable in the world. I had to do a great deal of work to become self-aware, to unwind this fear, to heal my hurts, and to become whole. I'm happy to report, I believe I have done so. And now my intention is to help as many people as I can to relax into their safe space and sanctuary within themselves and live an empowered life they love. My guest and expert today, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, says troubling memories are often storehouses of pain and hurt. Seated deep within one's mind, they can seem impossible to dislodge. Today, she's going to share her wonderful wisdom, unique perspective, and some simple steps to safely face our fearful memories, learn from them, and successfully break free from them. Dr. Manley is a practicing clinical psychologist and an emissary for fear. She's a recognized authority of fear-based disorders such as trauma, anxiety, and depression. She works with individuals and groups to improve personal growth, relationships, and increased life fulfillment. Her highly personalized approach focuses on utilizing transformational fear in the self-growth and healing process. She combines clinical knowledge with a holistic mind-body-spirit approach, integrating yoga and meditation practices into her therapeutic work and course offerings. I'm so excited to be talking about her new and awesome book today called Joy from Fear, Create the Life of Your Dreams by Making Fear Your Friend. So, Dr. Manley, thank you so much for saying yes to this conversation today. Thank you for having me, Tammy. It's a joy to be here. Yes, indeed it is. So I'm really excited to get a little bit into um, fear and how we can make it a friend. But first, I want to hear a little bit about how you became an emissary for fear. How did this happen? It seems like an interesting choice in regards to a career. Um, Yeah, it's been quite a journey. My life has not, as many people's lives, are not linear, and we think, you know, sometimes grow up with the idea, I'll be a nurse or a doctor when I grow up, and we think it's a straight trajectory or that we should know what we want to be. I was one of the lucky ones who somewhere around third grade, a teacher was asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I knew I wanted to be, I didn't know what it entailed, but I knew I wanted to be like Lucy on Charlie Brown, who (laughs) set up shop with her cute little, you know, five cents dispensing psychiatric help. And something in me felt compelled to have that in my life. Now, I came from a family of 10, chaotic family, lots of dysfunction. So I really think my psyche knew far more than I had the capacity to know that there was something ahead for me that would help me heal and then heal others. Mm. And so... um, in you know, kind of fast forwarding, I did not um, go into the career path that I wanted. My family, high achieving, wanted something different for me, and me, being the good Catholic girl that I was, uh, tried to oblige. 
and went into law school and found that it, I actually got very physically ill because I wasn't listening to what was right for me mm-hmm. and became terribly anorexic, which was my body's signal, wait a second, you're not going in the right direction. I was mm-hmm. too young at the time to understand that. So um started revamping my life, got my master's in counseling, but by now I'm married and pregnant with my first child and um, sort of married a ne'er-do-well man, it seemed. So I had to go into a career where I was supporting him and my child. Again, not what I wanted, but again, being the good girl, the dutiful wife. Years passed. One day I woke up and said, I can't do this anymore. If God hates me, if my parents hate me, if the world hates me, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this. So I decided to, as I worked full time, to go and get my doctorate. It was a long road, had some great support through my then teenage sons and my mother and just, you know, my little cheering committee and completely Mm -hmm. revamped my life, not knowing what was on the other side. All that I knew was that this was calling to me and I had to shift my life. So in the course of my doctoral program, for the first time in my life, I found my Kula. I found people who felt like family to me. Mm. And the women and the men in the program, they spoke my language, their souls spoke my language. And I thought, wait a second, there's a whole nother world out there. Mm-hmm. So by spreading my wings and risking, you know, going into a different place, which absolutely my world was just completely upended. I grew like I had never grown before. So as part of my doctoral dissertation, I realized that what I wanted to investigate was fear. Mm -hmm. Because by that point, I realized it was fear that held me back. Mm -hmm. Fear of not being wanted or having my family turn their back on me or fear of not God hating me, you know, whatever it was. So I did a lot of research, qualitative and quantitative research to find out, is this something peculiar to me or is this something that everyone in the world might Mm -hmm. experience? And what did you learn? Uh What I learned was amazing. And that (laughs) was basically that, of course, we're all afraid. We all have issues that happen in childhood, some, you know, to a very, very dramatic degree and some not so much. But during the process of being socialized, we are socialized with fear, fear that we should do this, that we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do this. We should, should, should. So we try very hard without, and that's all fear-based. Mm -hmm. It's not about the child. So what I learned was the people who learn to face their fears and acknowledge their fears and move through them, not ignore them. They had the highest levels of life fulfillment, life Mm -hmm. satisfaction, Mm -hmm. highest mental health. Those who were stuck or immobilized in life. The high, those with the higher level of being stuck or immobilized were those who hid from their fears or pretended they had no fears. Mm-hmm. And so what I found was I, I coined two terms, um, destructive fear and constructive fear mm-hmm. that gave rise to a third term, transformational fear. Yes. So what that boiled down to for every listener, for every human, this isn't just my story, it's our story, right? That it's your story. I, you know, I, I know enough about you to know that this you know, resonates with you. But here we are doing things. We've been hurt by our past or just hurt by how we've been patterned. And we listen to that voice and we get stuck in the voice of destructive fear that says, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You're not smart enough. You're not lovable. You are not loved. And if we stop there, we stay stuck. 
But if we learn step two, which is, wait a second, on the other side, there is this constructive voice, this true, honest voice that says, you are amazing. You are wise. You have gifts. You are meant to do and be so much. So then if we listen to that voice, we're ready for step three. Mm-hmm. And step three is the transformational fear, the fear that comes as a result of acting on what we've learned from a, you know, destructive fear, then moving to constructive fear. And now we're willing to jump. Now we're willing to make wise decisions that enable us to move forward into an often scary new life, mm-hmm. often scary new way of being, but that's okay. It's just scary. Is that, you know, we're making wise. So that's the crux of my new book, Joy from Fear, learning how to start detangling those fears that are alive within us, within all of us, and not compartmentalizing them, not forgetting them, not running from them, but becoming their friend. Really? Yes. Yes. So that's it. Well, I think that's a lot. And I really appreciate everything that you're saying. And yes, I can absolutely relate. And I do think it's part of the human journey, the journey of the hero to do is what uh, we were told to do, to be good, to I guess, um, conform and contort for the comfort of others. But like you, and this is my story, it's probably our friends that are listening story. It's like trying to be who others want us to be isn't necessarily uh, fulfilling long term. It's wearing a mask. It's it's um, it's not the truth of who who we are in a deeper level. And you talk a lot about um, becoming self-aware. Um, and I'm going to read this from the chapter, Welcoming Transformational Fear into Your Personal World. You say it's wonderful to get to know to yourself, to discover who you are and what makes you tick. When self-awareness begins to take shape and you start tuning in to yourself with loving attention, you get the joy of knowing how unique and precious you are. It's an incredibly beautiful process, one that many people never come to experience because they unconsciously fear discovering their interior world instead of getting through the muck to discover the hidden internal treasures. And we do all have internal hidden treasures, but we have to take up this um, uh, journey of self-discovery and self-awareness. And I think it's such a beautiful part of the journey, but it takes a lot of courage. Oh, so much courage, Tammy. And that's the part that we have so much more courage than we give ourselves credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, both women and men, I have, I mean, women, we, we, we have so much courage. Men have so much courage. And we think that courage means going out and fighting the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. The robber. Right. But right. really, yes, that, that's courage. But to, to honor that truth, that to look inside oneself and to see our strengths and our weaknesses, our triumphs and our failures, our stumbles and our successes, mm-hmm. and to really look at that and embrace it and learn from it. Right. Yes. Yes. That takes so much courage because no pill is going to do that for us. There's and there's no a lot magic. of pills out there for fear, anxiety, and depression. <laughs> wouldn't it be easy? Wouldn't it be great if they actually just worked and, and dislodged the fear in our psyches and removed it? But it doesn't work that way, does it? Well, not only doesn't, 
doesn't it work? But let me play the devil's advocate to what you just said. I had a conversation like this with a client the other day who said just that same thing. I wish it were easier. I wish I could just take a magic pill and it would fix this. And I said, that's a very good point. So you're talking about, you know, I said, hey, had you ever seen the movie The Matrix where all of a sudden mm-hmm. you knew how to do this or do that? I said, but it's a lovely idea. But isn't, it's like taking a helicopter ride to the top of, you know, Mount Everest. You missed the climb. Mm-hmm. You missed the climb. And it's, point. so if we take this... Yes. So if there were a pill that would say, okay, you know, Tammy, here, take this pill and you will be your most enlightened, amazing self. And then you'd be sitting there, Zen Buddha, you know, posture going, ah, and your (laughs) body, your spirit, your psyche wouldn't know the journey. And I think that's why we're here as human beings for the journey. If we weren't, we wouldn't have maybe incarnated. So I, I absolutely love what you're saying and completely agree. Yes, it's the, and that's the part, you know, I believe in medication for people who, who need it. You know, there are definitely people who need medication to get out of bed, to get in balance, right? Yet, and I'll stop my tirade in just a second, yet there are so many people who benefit, e.g., the insurance companies and the healthcare system by giving somebody an antidepressant or anti-anxiety med without helping them handle the underlying. Underlying, the core, you want to get to uh, the core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the core. I had a woman come into my office the other day and she goes, you know, I'm so depressed and I'm so this and I'm so that and I'm going through a divorce. And my life is changing and I'm still feeling anxious. And my doctor gave me an antidepressant. and It's not working yet. And I said, well, when did you start it? Yesterday. <laughs> and, I said, oh, and she didn't explain it to you that it's going to take a couple weeks to take effect and that the particular one she gave you isn't really necessarily a effective for anxiety and so you know as we worked through some of her stuff she realized oh well, maybe I need to go back to my doctor and really make sure she gives me the right medication and educates me so okay so I'm off of that I, I won't go on but I do believe that when we get to the underlying warehouse to what our feelings are telling us, to what our anxiety is telling us. What's it telling you? What's mm-hmm. the message? And I think that is where the meat is. And sometimes um, that, that, that's the most precious part of the journey is learning to listen to the fear, to the anxiety, to the self-doubt. Mm. You're so right. And I don't know. For me, Dr. Manley, I'm grateful that the medication didn't work. You know, I went to a psychologist and, and I was quite depressed and I was having a lot of anxiety and I was probably in a relationship. No, I was in a relationship that wasn't uh, good for me. Certainly not one I should have been in indefinitely. We were engaged and um, she put me on these pills. And um, after a couple of weeks, I said, I, I think I feel worse. I think I feel worse mm. than I did before I started taking them. I just was so exhausted, dark circles under my eyes. I couldn't think. Like felt like I had cotton batting wrapped around my brain. And she got very upset with me and said I was resisting treatment. And I started crying because I wanted to be the good girl. But I simply couldn't keep taking these pills to make other people happy because they felt like um, almost toxic to me. And the relationship did fall, fall apart. And my therapist did fire me. And, you know, my soul took over. I really had to relinquish control. And like for you, it was really, really scary because I didn't know what the heck was going on. Um, But uh, 
I just kept showing up with uh, courage and got to know myself more deeply. And just like you talk about, I started to um, listen and I started to love myself. And wow, life is so different these days. It's like to untangle all the fear and the false messages and the unworthiness that that um, thought of unworthiness that was in the dark corners of my psyche. Um, and to say, you know what, I hear you, but it's not the truth. Oh my goodness. Once love starts to take over, wow, what a beautiful life it can be. But I don't think it's handed to any of us. I think it takes, it takes self-awareness. It takes saying yes to the the journey and, um, it, it takes uh, relinquishing some control. It, it's scary. Yeah, it is scary. <laughs> and I really want to touch on what you said about the therapist, because that's such a beautiful opening, Tammy, for, for a bit of information, um, that any therapist, and this is not just for you, but for listeners, for all of us, any therapist that tells a person they're resisting treatment because they're saying that a medication is not working. It's not the client that ought to be fired. It's the therapist. It is hard enough for clients, for many clients, to reach out for for care. It is hard enough in our world that's so big on stigmatizing mental health for people to say, hey, I need a hand with this. I would like something, you know, some sort of medication to help me. People often feel so broken just by saying that. So for a therapist or a doc to come on board and say you're resisting treatment, instead of delving into what wasn't working for you, instead of seeing you as a unique and whole human being who wasn't a one-size-fit-all person, we are not one-size-fit-all people. That you know, and I'm, you know, how sad. How sad that you had to go through that. The outcome was good. Your body was telling you something wasn't working. And in a sense, you fired her by standing up for yourself. But, you know, for anyone who's listening, who's had that experience, we know our bodies. And when our body is saying, I'm feeling dark and heavy and sluggish, this is not working for me, then it is that doctor, that therapist, it is somebody's job, who's ever the treating person, to say, let me help you. Let's be a team here. Let's research this. And that is the part where we are brothers and sisters in this journey. And even if the medical profession is saying, hey, throw a pill and walk away. No, it needs to be different for us. We need to be able to say this is or is not working. Tweak it for me. Spend time with me. Explain this to me. And so voices like yours that have the courage to speak out about that give other people the hope that when they go into a doc's office, they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect Mm -hmm. and not to be ever be fired for resisting. You weren't resisting. You were saying this isn't working for me. Mm -hmm. And that is the part of us learning for for us to learn and to have the courage to speak our truth. Yeah. So thank you for giving uh, me the opportunity to focus on that. I know you talk a little bit about this in your book and I really appreciate it. And something else I really, really love about your book, Dr. Manley, is that it is, it has so much, um, there's so much opportunity for it to be really an interactive guide 
for your readers. And you share a lot of different processes and tools to start to open up the door in a safe and loving way to maybe old memories, to that energy or archetype of fear, lots of different processes, both visually and um, kinesthetically and auditorily. Can you share maybe a process or two that you think our listeners might uh, um, gain some value from considering maybe participating in uh, later today or tomorrow? Maybe it'll encourage them to pick up your book so they can go through this themselves. Absolutely. One of the easiest processes, you're right, the book is meant to be interactive. It is meant for whether you're working with a group of women or you're starting a book club where people can either share their process with a, a group of friendlies, they can, or the, you know, their mm-hmm. tribe, and do it as a, you know, a weekly workshop or monthly workshop. It could be used in concert with therapy. It can be used by somebody who has enough self-awareness to do the journey on their own. So for listeners, here's, this is a beautiful, and I do love that you mentioned the archetype of fear exercise. Mm-hmm. That is a great one. one That's of my a good, favorites. good one. Mm-hmm. But this is one that people might be able to use on a daily basis, let's say that um, I call it the five steps to letting go of fearful memories, right? And Joy from Fear has lots, the book has lots of, of examples of exercises like this. But let's, ex- let's imagine that you're held back from entering a relationship, a new love relationship, because you're, you're, the relationship you ended a year ago, the man told you, you're a piece of crap. You're never going to get in a good relationship because you are just so messed up, right? And so you hear that. You can see the guy's face. You can hear his words. And interestingly enough, they might even sit atop messages your parents gave you when you were little. Maybe dad kind of talked that way to you. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So let's notice this image we have, this fearful memory of this former partner coming up. And he's saying, (laughs) You're a piece of crap. Nobody's going to love you, right? So we notice that memory. We just notice it. We observe it like we're watching a film. We just see the man talking or the person talking. It could be a woman. And then we practice detaching from the memory, Mm -hmm. just stepping back as though it's a movie. So that's step one. Step two, notice without judgment Now we get to see what negative thoughts or beliefs come up as part of this memory. So maybe as this person was talking, you felt dark and heavy. Maybe you felt angry. Maybe you felt doomed. Maybe your thoughts were, he's right. I'm this age and I haven't found the right person. He's right. I'm defective. I'm defective. I'm unlovable. So you find those, notice the thoughts. Notice what thoughts are holding you, the narrative. Notice the narrative. Now, step three, notice here's where you come back to the feelings because you may have already been some feelings, been experiencing some feelings. So now you get to notice the feelings that are coming up for you. What are the feelings? Are they rage? Are they anxiety, sadness, self-doubt? Just notice what the feelings are. Again, no judgment, no shaming, nothing. Just notice the feelings. 
Notice if your body's tensing. Notice if there's a tightening in your stomach, if you're feeling flushed, if your heart is racing, whatever it is, just notice it. And instead of trying to hold on to the feelings, just let them move through you, which is something we often don't do. We often hold, so let them move as though they're clouds. Just let them pass by. Now, this is step four. I love this step. Now you get to grab a balloon. We want this balloon on a string, on a, on a ribbon, to be a dark balloon, black, something you can't see through. Now you want to stuff all of that stuff in the balloon. <laughs> we want to put the man's face or the person's face. We want to put the thoughts and the messages and the emotions in the balloon. Just shove them in there. Close it up. Hold on to it for a second. See if there's anything else you want to put in. Now let the balloon go. Don't worry, it won't hurt the environment. It's a special balloon. <laughs> and you let that balloon float off. And it disintegrates, and as it floats off, all that stuff just goes away. Now, being, so this is just a really important note, being that we are creatures of habit and probably thought a lot about those words and memories, it's likely one balloon won't take care of it because we've, energized it so much so you might have to keep letting it go maybe 5 10 15 20 times but mm -hmm. you'll find that as you do that without judgment you'll need that balloon less and less because you've let go of more and more you're not thinking about it you're just letting it go right. so now every time we let go of something we want to replace it with something positive and so now here you are you have a beautiful balloon in your hand an opalescent translucent shimmering balloon now you get to put everything you believe, all of the lusciousness, all of the good energy in that balloon where you can see it. Love, heart, courage, bravery, resilience, beauty, you know, flowers. Fill up that balloon and hold on to it. Put it on your chair, keep it on your wrist, and just have it there. And then you get to have this imaginal process with you and you can repeat it as much as you want because whatever we do, it's a law of neurobiology, Tammy. It's called Hebb's Law. Neurons that fire together, wire together. And as we are creating these joy-filled patterns, they are becoming stronger than the old fear-based ones, the ones that said we weren't mm -hmm. good enough. And so if we do this, not with all of our memories at once, because as you can see, it's a long process, right? Mm -hmm. But as we do this with kindness and love, the psyche, the brain, the body, and the spirit learn, ah, she's in charge. This empowered mm -hmm. person, he or she is in charge, and they're paving the way. They want these loving, healthy, joyful thoughts. And so we become stronger. We become more empowered. Yes, we that's become, the word. Yes, yes. That's what we're here for. Well, Dr. Yes. Manley, it's a beautiful process and one that I can see can be very, very effective. And I'm so grateful you said yes to a second show because I know there's so much more wisdom that you have to share with our beautiful friends here. Quickly, can you give them your um, website address or how they can get in touch with your grab a copy of your book? 
Okay. Easiest way to find me and the book is going to drcarlamanley.com. Carla has a C, drcarlamanley.com. The book, Joy from Fear, is available. You can click the button in my website and get to Amazon. It's also on Barnes & Noble. I am a big believer in supporting our local bookstores. So if your local bookstore does not already have Joy from Fear on their shelves, ask them. They'll get you a copy in a day or two. It is a beautiful book, a great a great yes, gift for yourself or someone you love. Yes, it is. And you are a gift to me, to our network, to our friends here, and to the world, Dr. Manley. Thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to another conscious conversation with you next week. And, and to thank my you listeners, for the gift of you, Tammy. Oh, you are so beautiful. Amazing. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And to our listeners, people that have been hanging out with us for a little while, thank you. You are a blessing. You are a gift. You are a unique, exquisite aspect of the divine. Just say yes to love yes to this book yes to your journey and we are so grateful for you so god bless you take good gentle care of yourself and we'll connect again soon onward and upward bye for now